I've been wronged. They are wrong. How do you ever repair that? Mm-hmm. How, does, how do we ever get a usable solution out of that? Um, I feel that's such a personal poison you drink, right? As I'm right. In, I feel wrong over here, and I'm, I'm drinking the poison expecting you to die. Like this negative override <laughs> is like, that doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it logically. I'm going to go around being mad at everyone, and you should all feel it. Right. And that doesn't, it doesn't work. Folks, welcome to Counselors Can Help. Let's demystify the process of counseling. We want to remove barriers, answer your questions, educate, entertain, and inspire you to action. Folks, today we're introduced the work of Marshall Rosenberg. We're carrying on this idea of conflict resolution, how you can apply it in your own life, how you can apply it to your own relationships, work, etc. Let's get started. So I was doing some research last night or, or thinking about what to do for today's show. I had some different ideas and, and I then basically stumbled upon this person named Marshall Rosenberg. Yesterday was MLK's birthday, like celebration, right? Martin Luther King, um, I think Gandhi had this same idea that you can't solve big problems by fighting, but ultimately you're not solving the big problems. You're not really getting anywhere. You're, if you're made to do something or forced under the point of a gun to do something, you're probably not solving it in a big way. Not so getting to the need for yeah, sure. Right. And so he was the first and this and this the need comes up very much in his work. This person I think was growing up in the middle of that and then was um an intern for Carl Rogers. That's what I was just noticing. And I was like, well that would have been amazing. People who are listening and you'll say, who is Carl Rogers? Right? If you're not a therapist, you probably never heard of Carl Rogers. I doubt it. Yeah. So Carl Rogers has a bit of background, came to prominence in the, I guess, 50s, 60s, 70s kind of era, and he was the first real stalwart in this idea that we need to treat people differently. That to to that point, there was a lot of like, well, these are crazy people, and, you know, just sort of talking down to them and telling them what they needed to do, and that this was the idea of going to see a doctor, a therapist, is to be told what to do. And Carl Rogers was the first person to ever... I think in a, in a big way, say that that's not the way we should be doing things. We should be listening and, and that kind of thing. So he right. was a pioneer in that regard, right? Right. He was, uh, I don't know if he came to this or that's what he's most known for, but for the human need for self-actualization. Yeah, that everyone wants to do well. Mm-hmm. They're trying their best. For whatever reason, they've got things in their way. Right. And it's our job to help them sort of find their way, right? So this person worked for Carl Rogers at some point, and I guess later in life, as he made his own traction and his own theories, he got involved in this idea of nonviolent confrontation. How do you solve big problems? And he would go to places like schools that were trying to integrate in the 70s. There was busing going on, a lot of racial mm-hmm. tension and that kind of thing. So he got very much involved in trying to sort out how do you bring all these people together and not have fights break out mm-hmm. i mean that was his intent of he he wanted to sort of get involved in that he's been to palestine he's trying to get involved in the palestinian and wow. israeli <laughs> thing so he's taken on very large tasks large scale tasks I trying to that. show people how this could be done essentially is his idea and, and probably 
got on, you know, it was associated with probably political movements either way, but his, he's fundamentally a resolve conflict and treat each other compassionately person. That's his idea, right? And I never heard of him, honestly. I have not either. The concept of nonviolent communication, but... I think um, he was always focused on this idea. So without spending the whole show on him, um, the important thing, that one of the things that he talked about is anger, dealing with anger now. We're shifting to the idea of people who are angry or which causes violence, I guess. Uh, that anger is, a, is an alarm, he said. We probably won't get our needs met, but people see anger as bad, right? So we repress it, deny it, don't deal with it. What he's, his point there was we can't see anger as bad, that it will come up in you, but it's, it's best to try to find a healthy way to deal with it and use it for what it's intended for and not of I shouldn't have this or taking it out on someone, I guess, right. are sort of the two, the two ways that we see it misused. Right. I think you do have to get to a place of curiosity that anger can be a human, it is a human emotion. Anger is a human experience. It's what you do with anger or how, like you said, because it's not acceptable in polite society, it tends to be repressed or denied because that makes you an, an, a not good person, somebody who is angry. But those are two very different things to have the emotion of anger and to be angry or aggressive about the thing. Yeah. And what, I w what I'm thinking about is why we're, while we're talking about this now, or why, I guess, is last show we talked about this a tune, right? We went through all the steps of how you would listen to someone and try to find out. But we really never talked about the E, the last part of that, which is depending on who you listen to, some would say that's empathize, or others would say, no, that's engage, engage. right? This is your turn now to sort of engage in a conversation. And I think that session leads to this by saying, hey, first I want to listen to this person as best I can while still taking in my own emotions, if that's possible, and then I want to somehow engage in a dialogue, which is where this person comes in. He's, mm -hmm. he's trying to define, I guess, or how you would engage in that dialogue. Um, and and one, if you made it through all of those steps, right. surely there should be a reward that, oh, look how far we made this. Look yeah. how far I did. And some people will say, and I've, and I've heard this said, that you need to earn the right to sort of engage in that dialogue. And earning the right is mm. sort of knowing the other person's perspective. What so are they true. after? What could, I, what could I learn from them? And so the first steps of Marshall Rosenberg's ideas on anger or any emotion like that is there's an event that causes me to get angry. Something happened. But that's probably not what's making me angry. The event itself, which he calls the stimulus, which I don't want to get into too, the fancy terms, <laughs> but... The thing that happened probably isn't what's making you angry that you want to then think about in a little bit more detail what we've talked about for the last number of shows, connecting with the need. What is my need? What, what ultimately is the thing that's making me angry about this situation? Let me back up. Let me step back and go, okay, that action, I'm immediately angry and want to lash out, but what is it I'm angry about? Let me do some work with myself to try to figure out what it is that I'm angry about. Mm -hmm. It's called taking the elevator down in my office. I'm sure anger is primary. It's going to come out first. That's the reaction. But there are so many other things underneath it. 
let's find the one that's most accurate. And that takes pausing. It takes slowing down. It takes all the things we've been talking about. It's whether you go back up the ladder like you talked about last week or whether you tap the brakes and say, okay, that is my reaction is to be angry. That happens. Yeah. What is it that I need? And once you can connect those dots, you honestly don't get that far in the first place. And w an interesting way that he wrote that I, I feel is good, and I've, I've heard sort of other people say the same thing, is for you to say to yourself, I'm feeling angry because I'm telling myself blah, blah, blah. You know, so you're, you're basically saying, my thoughts about this person, yeah, I'm angry, but what am I really angry about? So... I may be angry that I feel that they're dismissing me or they're just, they're just rude or whatever. There's a story that I'm telling myself about you, right? I'm angry at you and you are now deemed evil, mm -hmm. awful, unkind, you name it, right? right? And so, and it's not disputing the idea, it's just try to get yourself to see what am I angry about? What's the story that my mind has concocted about this person that I now deem is true enough that it makes my emotions ramp up mm -hmm. and to try to find that thing. And you will often find your brain is seeking validation for that thing, a justifiable cause about the anger because they did this. I am angry at my spouse because I felt ignored because I am, you ignore me. Is she actually ignoring you? That's the story you're telling yourself. Are there other options? Are there mm -hmm. other possibilities that could be going on? Yeah. And it could be that the thing you're, I guess, accusing them of, you could be right. I mean, it's no, nobody's to say you're, what your ideas are, whether well, they're correct or incorrect. Right. <laughs> In <laughs> that right. you feel and sure. you believe, if we're, I'm doing air quotes over right, it's how you feel. It doesn't mean it is factual and like if from a bird's eye view, somebody could go, yep, she's ignoring you. But how does it feel? Yeah. I feel ignored. And, and that's the thing. I, I've actually, I teetered last night on making a whole show about that. Is, is, is truth really a requirement? You know, does, does truth ever really matter? And that's, I think, something we'll get into perhaps in the future. But uh, this idea of, well, it's true. Well, okay, it could be true, not true, not sure. But if it is true, how does this help you? How does this... How does this thing you've decided that this person is bad or horrible or they're doing something to ignore you, how is that truth helping you in that moment? Mm -hmm. Right now it's causing you to rage. So doesn't seem to be helping. Doesn't seem, it, is the thought I am having helpful or hurtful? Yeah, yeah, so it gets to this idea of, like, like we said, not good, bad, whatever, but is this helping me? And really what it gets down to is what... Um, this person is always sort of getting to is the need. We, we talked about it. it and and we'll, we'll get to a little bit of a recipe that he had there, but we're trying to figure out what I need to then get me out of a different, get me into a different mode of thinking so that I can actually, you know, rectify the situation. So, um, oh, and he did, <laughs> he said, he made a note, I was listening, and he said, a person who likes to use guilt will say, um, it makes me angry when you take the following action or whatever. You are, see, your actions are making me feel bad. Yes. That's a... Because you are a Jedi and you have the ability 
to <laughs> do mind tricks on me, which is always right. how I come out of that. Well, you know how you just, you know, use your mind and like make someone else angry. And I will always have clients laugh at that because it's true. We do believe that. Well, they're making me angry. We have to disrupt that thought that someone can make you be anything. Yeah. And, and people will use that as a weapon by saying, sure. your actions are making me angry, cry, whatever. And, but they're, again, we're not really getting down to the, how this is helping anyone or whatever. We're just right. assigning blame, essentially. That's right. You uh, can take it on a very small scale just for an example of uh, maybe one of the person in the partnership is late and the other person knows that the that they hate being late and so the fact that that other person knows that and they come out to the car and you are running late you have the right because they know this about you and so you they are making you angry instead of what is it about being on time that is important to me there's the need what does it say about me and you can almost guarantee getting down to the boiling bottom point of to me that shows that I matter to you when maybe it isn't maybe time is not important to the other spouse yeah for sure but if you can boil it down to the need instead of you make us late so now I have the right to be angry because you know it that I hate being late and you are trying to make me angry and if you can back that off and go what is it what is it I need? Oh, when she puts an effort into being on time or when I do, I feel like I matter that she heard me, that I said, I'd like to be on time for this. Yeah. So let's go through, this, I think this would be a good time to go through a couple examples here because he does offer a bit of a recipe. And, a, and by the way, we've talked about in the past of these I feel statements. I've actually heard him um, adjust that a little bit into a way that I've never heard before. So I want to mm. run this by you. Um, the first is the, I, we talked about before, the stimulus, the event. You're, let's stick with the, I'm the late thing. So you're in the car. The other person is late getting out to the car. And you're starting to boil. Mm-hmm. We know we're supposed to see the people, whatever. Now, here we go again. This is the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the zillionth time that we... <laughs> time we've had this argument right and you're starting to boil okay so the action there is not to say well i shouldn't be mad or whatever it's just to then go okay let's separate the person is late that's making me angry but what really am i angry about let's get down to how can i in myself figure out what i'm angry about other than and this is the where you start to separate. I'm, instead of judging the other person as they are wrong, they are, they are not sincere or not considerate, mm-hmm. um, laying blame and judging the person with names and whatnot. Is that helpful? No. This process says try to go into your own self and say, what is it that I need? What is it about being on time? What is it about this event that's making me upset and try to get to what that thing is right. if you can find it which may take some time by the way and 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 he's he did say he's he's worked with i heard him talk about working with a person in prison that these ideas are very sort of confusing to people initially it's like well no they made me no, angry. they made me angry <laughs> and <laughs> right. that is why i punched them <laughs> their actions are making me upset and it's like well no hang on 
you can learn to disconnect those two. But that, again, that takes practice. That takes some Absolutely. a little bit of like work on that. And this gets to the idea of you probably can't deal with any of these things if you're upset because you don't have the mental capacity likely to get to this level of thought. You have okay. to ha you have to back off in some way and go, okay, what? Let me think clearly. And that gets to this idea of taking a time out or not bringing it up now because this is just not a productive time to do it. I need some time to think and figure out what about this that I could communicate to the other person that I need. Yeah, when when you are dealing with that initial dump, honestly, of chemical in your body that rage comes from or that angry feeling, it is something that you have to notice. And it is something that you have to know, okay, that's happening, not the right time to have this discussion. I will use critical and blaming statements. But even getting that far is noticing. Sure, I, which is, I think, the hardest thing to do. You just get swept up in the same old patterns, doing the same old fights, and you find yourself 10 minutes into this thing before you realize, ah, Here I, am. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be doing this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was trying to do Here something else. Here you are, else. making me angry again. <laughs> and it's very, it, and you can have those moments. I had one of those moments literally less than 48 hours ago mm -hmm. in my house. Mm -hmm. And I went, dang, how <laughs> easily I got sort of caught up in the thing. I tried to back out of it, but it, you know it's 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 hard to do. It's hard to it catch is yourself. It's very hard to do, and it is a practice. Yeah, it's a practice for all of us, therapists right. and not. Right, and I think it's a practice. I guess that I'm trying to show in my own household, and it's just it's just hard to change a lot of habits how people just react to each other. So. Um, and imagine as the things get larger and larger, as this person was dealing with in society, these big, large fights that, you know, we're all prone to, how hard it is to stop that. Um, it, it takes some real courage and leadership to do that. So um, this, the, the two steps we've talked about is the stimulus. Okay, I'm, I'm sitting in the car. The person comes out. We're late. They know this is not good. I'm getting upset. Um, trying to pull those two apart and to say, what am I really upset about? Mm -hmm. See if you can come up with that. Um, well, like I said, which may not be in the moment. You may have to do a little searching on that one because the concepts are a bit confusing. And in that particular example, which I do believe is a life hack for perpetual issues with couples, mm -hmm. is if you're the one sitting in the car, you've had this thought before. So that's a perfect opportunity. Use that moment. What am I telling myself about this situation? Yeah. My blood is beginning to boil. What am I telling myself right here, right now? What's the story? Mm -hmm. Even just verbalizing the story may, may make you kind of flinch back a little bit, I think. Just mm -hmm. making yourself say, what is the story here? Mm -hmm. And it may be your spouse, and you may say the story is, they're making me late mm -hmm. on purpose. And you, just by verbalizing that, I think there's some degree of like flinch back of going, mm -hmm. well, maybe that's a little much. Mm -hmm. That might be a little much. Yeah. And, or you're looking for all the validation instead of what is the need. She has a clock. She knows how to read a clock. She knows when the event starts. All of those things that are looking for that mm -hmm. evidence gathering of yeah. why you have the right to be angry. And instead, use that energy to think, what is the story that I'm telling myself? Yeah. And the story, there's, there's two things that go along with that are important. There's so much that goes into the identifying the need. One is 
it will automatically put you in a different mindset probably quite quickly. Meaning, when I say mindset, anger of a nine down to anger of a six, mm-hmm. if, we're, if we're putting a clock on it, that immediately as you start to think more analytically and, and get into your own uh, observations, I guess, about yourself, you probably start to simmer down almost immediately. Sure. And that's the, one of the ideas of this thing is to say, you can actually manage your emotion by thinking critically about yourself because you're now thinking in a much different state mm-hmm. because you now you're, you're focused on wh- what does this mean to me? Why, what, what am I ultimately after here is a much different place mentally than how did they wrong me? How, how horrible, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever the name or the thought. The other um, that I noted was, and I think this is a Gottman thing too, of this idea of, um, oh, if I can remember the term, sort of a negative bias about the person. Sure. Having positive regard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another Just term that they use. Negative sentiment override. That's right. That's the one I was going for called. right there. Right. You, you have a belief that this person is just a perpetual, running late, insensitive, whatever. You've, you've built up all this story, and it, it's just waiting for you to be proven right again sort of down mm-hmm. the road. Right, it, it right. And, and you will. You will find what you are looking for. Yeah. Because especially with perpetual issues, you will find it again because that same pattern is going to exist. Yeah. So the, so the idea is to find the negative sentiment override or the idea in the other person really does get you nowhere mm-hmm. because you will bump into that idea again. They will yeah. show you an action that goes, yep, there you go. Yeah. They Absolutely. are. It's the proof. It's the evidence. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next thing is what is our need? Now, um, we get to this idea of, okay, what's, what a story am I telling myself? And so we've, we've kind of talked about that. Um, and maybe more importantly now is it gets to the idea of how do I get that need met? Okay, now I've discovered what that need is. So now what is it that I need to communicate or say or wh- what am I going to do with that? What, what's the strategy? How am I going to actually get that need met? Mm-hmm. If you can locate the need, all it is is a vocabulary change of what is important to you. It would mean the world to me if I have an option to drive separately or it would mean the world to me if we could talk about a leave time and before I feel like I'm waiting in the car. I, I hear in my head, it doesn't matter the words you're saying, I hear I matter and that we can have a discussion about time. Yeah. That there's a way to, I guess, navigate the thing at this point. We're also trying to, like we just said the last uh, session, we're trying to also listen to what their need is. We're trying to develop a conversation about, well, they show up late to the car. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got a need, right? They've probably got a need of, well, I, I want to look a certain way or mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, wha- and whatever it is. And what is late? What is the story maybe she's telling? My husband feels it's important to be 30 minutes early to everything. And so anything within that 30-minute range is late, right? And yeah. so what is late? Yeah. Or why What's do these the people construct? want to be on time? What is their obsession about time? Right. What is that? And, and can I hear that need and also say, what is my need? Maybe we drive separately. 
maybe I can acknowledge that that's really important to him to be 15 minutes early to something. I'm positive you are going to have more of this positive regard for each other mm -hmm. in other areas that are important to you. This isn't a one-sided game. What happens is the flexibility increases yeah. for a couple. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying there. This particular problem we're trying to solve, but really this could be the, the map or the, the key to how we would solve other much larger in-depth problems if we could somehow figure out how to negotiate this what appears to be sort of a small thing. Oh, absolutely. Why is it that it drives the wife nuts that he, that the husband uh, comes after the teenage kid? So that's the perpetual issue. So for him, it's the timing in the car. And for her, I have said so many times, stop yelling at our son. I have said, whatever, I've stood in between you two, all of the things that haven't seen, but what is the actual need? The actual need is she doesn't feel heard. I've said these things. It doesn't mean he can't have anger or be frustrated about something the child mm -hmm. is doing or all those things. But what is she hearing? The story is I don't matter because we've had this argument 101 times and it doesn't change. Or it becomes he's a mean person mm -hmm. or there's some sort of mm -hmm. defective quality about him that mm -hmm. will never change. He doesn't. Change. He's not hearing me. He ignores me. All the things. Yeah, so that gets to the idea of this, again, the story can, in the person's mind, be true and sort of unsolvable, which leads to a, what do we do with that? I mean, there's, win the next fight, basically. I mean, mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do to resolve that, ultimately. So the, so this gets to my, where the, the I feel statements, I think we've mentioned these before on the, the show, and this, this is a, a, I guess, a somewhat typical thing that people are taught in therapy sessions, right, is trying to, what you just, just said before, I feel, or this would mean the world to me, or whatever. You're, you're, you're basically trying to sort of put that in a, a blender mm -hmm. <laughs> and have it come out you know, a certain way. And so his, his version of I feel statements was this, um, which I thought was interesting. The stimulus, what you did. So in this case, uh, a little bit of a different, and, and I think there's probably ways you could adjust this, but if, if we were to stick on the stimulus, this idea of what you did. You came out to the car late, and for me, I'm, I guess I'm struggling with what that means to me, and if you can name that, that's, that would, you would do that here. That mm -hmm. means that I, I don't want to be insensitive to other people's time, and that really bothers me that we're, I'm now going to show up late to this thing, and I, mm -hmm. I, I want to show respect to the people that I, I come on time. That's mm -hmm. part of a show of respect for me. So my need is to be respectful of other people. I want to treat them the way I want to be treated. And that's ultimately, I want, to, I want you to see that. That's my need. I want, I want you to understand, I guess, that I think about this a lot, about how I treat other people. Mm -hmm. And what a great connector you just made in that whole conversation. Do you think he feels disrespected? when they've had this conversation over and over again and she continues to come to the car late. Even though I highly doubt she's in the mirror finishing her hair or finding the coat or whatever going, oh, I cannot wait to be disrespectful. That's my goal today. No, she's doing her thing and coming to the car because the time factor is not an important piece to her or whatever it is. 
and he is connecting with these other people feeling that same emotion I feel disrespected when I don't feel heard right by things we have talked about several times so I do not believe the negative sentiment override would be I do not believe or I, I have a belief that you are doing it on purpose and I, I could work on that because I don't you are not a malicious mean person <laughs> So that's where you get to this. Of course I you have are. positive regard for my spouse. So Yeah, right. Yeah, what so the, is the need? Yeah. Ah. So the fill in the blank I'd always heard before about an I feel statement is I feel dot 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 my feeling is find the emotion because whatever the situation I would like you to whatever. Yep. Right? That's it. That's the sort of the I feel statement that I've had heard before and this adds a little bit of a different twist to that. It's he says this when this happened or whatever, then he throws in sort of the I feel whatever. I'm feeling this thing. But before he says, I would like you to this thing, he throws in the need that it's you just sort of state that as part of that whole thing. You're mm -hmm. you're trying to say, I feel this way, this event happened, but my need is really this. This is what I'm trying to resolve here and for that need to get resolved, I'd like you to whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's just talk about it or, you know, whatever. Maybe I don't have the solution, but mm -hmm. so it's very much, again, it goes a little layer deeper, I think, in trying to get all this stuff consolidated, which again sort of gets to the idea of you can't do this in a rage or you can't do this on a whim that you've got to be able to sit and think about what it is you want to to communicate to the other person. And the only way to do this kind of a statement, I think they would agree that you need to have heard the other person in some form or fashion, mm -hmm. or at least very quickly. Get mm -hmm. back to this attuned stuff we talked about on the mm -hmm. last show. Mm -hmm. You better be listening to, or you can't really can't do this, mm -hmm. ultimately. What, what are your thoughts on Yeah, I think that we need to give ourselves a break as you kind of learn, because as you have it all written out and you can see, and it makes sense as you're listening to the podcast. Oh yeah, I can see how that would work until you're angry. <laughs> and then it kind of goes out the window. Uh, there's that thing again. So, so I would say, give yourself a break. The anger probably is going to happen a couple times. See if that happens, if you can come back to it, go to the event. And then come back to your spouse and say, could we talk about what happened in the car before? When you've had some time to think it over and to remember, okay, so this was the stimulus. This was the story I was telling myself. This is the emotion I was feeling. And actually do the work in a non-flooded state. Don't expect that the anger is not going to come out again. Right. And the things I was thinking while you're talking about that is one, I think, especially when you're learning this idea, you, that's probably the only way you're ever going to have this conversation is what you just described is, can we it's go back? It's going to happen. Can and we go back? <laughs> and go, that happens to us all the time. Yeah. That's the pattern. That's what we got to interrupt. Yeah. In a time where we're both sort of ready to have the conversation or I bring it up, whatever. I've had time to think about it. Now I would like to discuss it. Sure. And obviously, this would work better if the, if two people are sort of know the game, mm -hmm. right? We'd probably get there a lot faster. Sure. But but they don't have to, right? No. One person can be running this. One person can change a pattern. Absolutely. 
And I would encourage you to think about uh, it does feel clunky. It does feel awkward at first. And then likely if you do it a few times, you get better at it. And then you do catch yourself in the anger and go, mm, that's I'm tapping the brakes. That same feeling is happening and it goes much faster in your mind. What is the stimulus? What's the story? Name the emotion. What is the need? Because you've practiced it at the slower pace several times. Yeah. And I think the one of the things the person is trying to get here in this whole system is to slow down the judgment of the other person. Mm -hmm. That if you can just turn that story down mm -hmm. and just say, you know, I bet she's probably doing the best she can in this case of the being late or the spouse, whoever it is. I don't think this is malicious. It's not something I approve of or like or whatever, but I don't think the person is just bringing this purposely. If I can just change the way I think about the person right away, I probably get less angry Absolutely. That is a... I wish I knew which level of the Gottman sound relationship house, but having positive regard. Just do I have positive regard for my partner that the intention is not to do harm, not to create contention, that that's not their intention of our relationship, nor would it be mine. It happens because we're two different people having two different life experiences. But do I have this general positive regard for this person? Yeah. And for humanity, whether it's the person that cut you off, right? Can I, can I practice a positive regard for people? And I think that's hard. And it's a, it's a reflex. This, I've mm -hmm. been wronged, I need to lash out, is a reflex that I think is quite human. It's quite, I think, even in animals. So, I mean, it's a, it's sort of a basic idea sure. of like, you're wronging me. I'm going to lash out or try to stop the thing or, you know, whatever it is, which in some situations may be appropriate. But in this case, the idea of this whole discussion is to say, okay, try to tamp down on that, that reaction or that instinct to try to replace it with something that is going to eventually solve the issue mm -hmm. here. Can you do that? Can you see it a different way? Mm -hmm. And um, there are plenty of works by this person. That one of the works was this, I guess this book is, like I said, his name is Marshall Rosenberg. The book is called Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. I think he's done some different versions of this. And um, he recently passed away. The person's mm -hmm. actually no longer with us, um, maybe just a few, few years ago. And he'd been updating these books, mm. you know, w throughout his uh, professional life. He was always interested in solving the problem, resolving the deep issue. And it's, if we do, if we, everybody gets stuck into the I've been wronged mentality, that's pretty much where you stay, yeah. right? These, these wars and racial things and political things that all get stuck in the I've been wronged, they are wrong. How do you ever repair that? Mm -hmm. how, does, how do we ever get a usable solution out of that? Um, I feel that's such a personal poison you drink, right? <laughs> right, I'm right. An, I feel wrong over here, and I'm, I'm drinking the poison expecting you to die. 
like this negative override <laughs> is like that doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it logically i'm gonna go around being mad at everyone and you should all feel it right and that doesn't it doesn't work yeah it's not helpful if we're going on the helpful or hurtful train having a positive regard is a much healthier state of being well and i've seen clients too where this is a hard message to deliver sometimes because they are sort of in this, they are wrong, I am being wronged, why can't they straighten up, figure it out, act better? Mm-hmm. It's all their problem. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard mentality to leave. And what do you say to a client that, that expresses their life that way? Well, I don't, to this point, I've been struggling with that, honestly. Because you listen to their story and you go, okay, yeah, if that person did that to me, I'd be upset too, whatever. And mm-hmm. how do you get a person to change that way of thinking? Mm-hmm. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. I think of teaching, and I feel like I say on this podcast the word curiosity 900 times to one. I don't know. I say it a lot. But I think if, if we can teach from a point of curiosity of why, what is it? What is the story I tell myself from the very beginning of therapy? Not even a why, like they need to answer that, because I think that breeds some defensiveness of bullet points. But could could it be, and can we consider being curious about a view or a perspective? Where does that come from? What are the examples in my life that have taught me that the world is an unsafe place? Or people are untrustworthy, and I promise you they will find the validation for that. Sure. If Because they are looking for it, and they have lots of experiences. And if you can teach from a stance of curiosity, there is an opportunity to say, is there another option? Yeah, can I resolve this somehow? And in some way in their mind, I think folks who have gotten to this point have resolved in their mind that this is unfixable. That I can only shout at these other folks to get them to change, and that's my last that's my last ditch, right? Mm-hmm. They have to change this thing somehow, and I don't know what else to do, therefore that's sort of where I am and and uh, I guess the works of these people and and all the folks that I think have done work on this would say that that's you're never going to leave that cycle, right? If that's where you are, that's where you're going to stay. Yeah, I would say you're right until you decide to do something different or to try to do something different, then you are correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But I, but I, I totally get it. I get why a person would wind up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's, there's great understanding in that. People can be very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They can also be amazing. And we, even as everybody falls into this trap of sort of judging the other person, um, and and maybe for good reason. I think therapists do it too. But there's no resolution there. Um, and that's what the, the point of this is to say, there's got to be a way forward, and this there's a different way to think about it and a different way to present your arguments that eventually are much more productive, mm-hmm. I guess, is when it comes down to. And it's not admitting that you've been wrong the whole time. It's mm-hmm. just trying to find a different way to get your point across, which is what this work comes down to. So what I believe is the works of this person 
has led to the works of everyone, the Gottmans, Sue Johnson, uh, you name it, the folks out there, I think have the, all the same idea, of, right, of mm -hmm. there's probably a better way. There's a way to sort of meet the person halfway and mm -hmm. give this a shot, mm -hmm. that, but that it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. This is not an easy turnaround. Sure, at least explore the possibility that there are other options. Folks, I've mentioned before, as I listen to the show, I take ideas from the show real time, listening to the recording. And what I don't want to be accused of on this show is having a great discussion about theory and ideas and falling very short on practice and actual practical execution. So this show has inspired me to have a follow-on show that will focus a lot on a lot of very specific situations, how to apply all these ideas that we've been talked about before and the ones we've included today from Marshall Rosenberg. So I want you to look forward to that show or that installation of this idea of let's go over a lot of different scenarios and apply these things real time and how you would actually use these tools real time and how that would look like in the therapist office to help you through this. So we'll do that and I'll finish up with the show here just talking a little bit about somewhat how that would look like in the therapist office. Yeah. And that's what gets back to the show of the counselors can help. This is the job of the person in the room to help you do this mm -hmm. and help you walk through one of these situations so you can then see what to do different, mm -hmm. how, how I would change this. There's a story, uh, he was talking to a, a person in prison and uh, the person had... I guess was having a fight with the guards or whatever that you know, and, they, and he was there to resolve this perpetual issue of of this going on, and he was teaching the person these ideas. And when they were discussing this idea of you're mad at the guards, they're not giving you this thing, the people who are running the prison, and he was trying to say, okay, their actions are different than what your story you're telling yourself. It's okay to be angry at the person, but you can work it out somehow. And then he said, at some point, the person went very quiet and actually. They had to stop the conversation. The person got very sad and, mm. you know, basically they, they had, to, had to quit. And they resumed the conversation a day or two later, and the person said, if I would have known these techniques seven years ago or whenever it was, I wouldn't have killed my friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sobering. So I guess that's the goal of this kind of thought is to say, it doesn't have to end that way that he probably, and, and I think the person realized I probably could have worked it out, mm -hmm. but I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't have any other tools or I didn't have any other way to resolve this thing, but it can be changed. I mean, there was a person that I'm sure everyone thought was beyond hope, mm -hmm. right? This person is in prison for manslaughter or whatever, and this person is very irredeemable, cannot be fixed, mm -hmm. cannot be changed. You know, there's a lot of people who would be telling him that story, and the belief, Marshall Rosenberg, is that anyone can change. We can change this at any point. No issue is too big for these kinds of thoughts. I so. agree with that. But it's hard. I think he would agree if he were with us, mm -hmm. if he were here, I think he would say, this is not super complicated. It's just changing your mentality and working through a different process mm -hmm. that is going to take some practice and some time. Sure. And that's what a therapist Work. can do to help you do that. Uh Last thoughts? I think we're right up on the time button here, so. I don't know that I could top the prison story. <laughs> that is, that just brings it full circle, right? Is even at, 
you know, in a seemingly hopeless situation, that person is still hungry for learning. Like you started the podcast with Carl Rogers and the idea of a human need to reach potential, to have self-actualization, that we, that it is never too late to learn, to grow, to see something different. I use that term a lot with just defining anxiety. I, I'm sure that there is an official Webster's definition of anxiety. My definition of anxiety is a lack of options. Your brain is on high alert that there is one outcome happening or one what if. But if we can seek for spectrums and options, it tends to bring that down, that there are other things that could happen. There are other things to consider. And I think that's moving towards this idea that I can grow. I can learn. If I have fought or had violent interactions or had really contentious interactions with my spouse or my boss, there are other ways to do that. This is not a trap for life. And therapy can help make those discoveries. Yeah, a person can be there with you to guide you through that process. So, uh, all right, been a good discussion on this. We're a day after Martin Luther King's official national holiday. Right. So I think it sort of goes along with that idea of there are ways to solve the big problems that don't include shouting louder. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a, a good a good idea we can all take home with us. I know Liza and I try all the time mm -hmm. to take these ideas, take them home, and, and we want to keep doing that. We'll talk more about these kinds of things on Counselors Can Help. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself or a loved one. Thank you to Kelsey Fink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at AspireUT.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.